You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1312 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast and making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and, of course, video on YouTube. And I'm joined later on in the podcast by Zach Cote of Peachtree Hoops, who is joining me for the second time in as many episodes talking about the point guards for the Hawks. We'll come back to that in a moment, but plenty to get to on the show. And it's a great time to jump on board the podcast if you're a new listener. Welcome, and we hope you stick around for the future. I have said this a few times already on the podcast, but now it's actually official in the time between my travels. The Hawks announced on Monday that Media Day is officially happening on Friday. Uh, That was already on my calendar. I kind of shared that on the podcast a few different times, but it's now officially on the calendar. Friday, Media Day, and that's sort of the kickoff of the season for the Hawks. I will be on site for the Hawks, checking out full coverage of that event. There'll be Landry Fields talking to the media. Nate McMillan talking to the media, as well as all the players are scheduled to be in the picture, and we'll touch on all of that stuff. Not always a huge news-breaking event, but I'm sure there'll be something to discuss coming out of that between injury updates or Donovich or Jalen Johnson or role stuff, whatever Landry Fields has to say, whatever Nate has to say about his new team, etc. So I'll have a new show on Friday night when that's all said and done, so stay tuned for all of that stuff. But that's sort of the official start to the season for the Hawks, and we'll have a of course, complete coverage after that. The Hawks then go overseas. That's why they're able to start media day a little bit early. They have to go to Abu Dhabi after that. So we'll have the, the coverage of those two games happening against the Bucks overseas and then they're back home. And then before you know it, the season will be here in earnest with all 82 games that we cover in this space. Before we get to myself and Zach, there was a little bit of news to hit on in the last couple of days. First and foremost, a signing by the Hawks. The Hawks brought back Malik Ellison on a Non-guaranteed contract. The Hawks signed him to a 10-day, by the way, if you remember this, back in December during the COVID-ravaged portion of the schedule. He never actually played in a game for the Hawks, but he was on their roster, their full roster, last year during the season. 26 years old, a 6'6 wing is Ellison. Recently, was actually playing for Team USA in FIBA World Cup, World Cup qualifying. He actually appeared in 40 games last year for College Park, making 14 starts with the Skyhawks. Averaged about eight points, five rebounds in about 25 minutes a game. Made 47% of his field goal attempts and 38% of his three-point attempts. He is also Purvis Ellison's son, longtime NBA player Purvis Ellison. Played at St. John's and Pittsburgh and Hartford at the college level, finishing up his college stint in 2020. He is now the number 19 player for the Hawks in training camp. If you are unfamiliar with this, teams can carry as many as 20 people into training camp. The Hawks now have 19 on the roster. That's 14 guaranteed contracts, a pair of two-way deals, and then, of course, three guys on Exhibit 10 deals coming in. This is the same contract structure as guys um, such as Chris Silva and Tyson Etienne. A, basically a small guarantee and the ability to waive him and keep him in College Park. I'll be pretty stunned if Ellison is on the opening day roster, but it's another guy who knows the system, who they probably want to stick around in College Park. Is also a, a two-way wing guy who could be good to practice against, etc. So basically... At this stage, there are three guys in training camp that are not already on full season deals, and that is Silva, Etienne, and Ellison. There's really only one spot to compete for, and that is the open roster spot, as the Hawks only have 14 guys under contract. And the two ways now at this stage are Jared Culver and, of course, Trent Forrest, who this Hawks signed earlier this summer. So 
All that said, Ellison's an interesting guy in some respects, but he's 26, not, not a huge upside prospect, but another guy to bring into camp sort of in the Silva and Etienne mold, another body to keep around and keep an eye on in the near future. Um, beyond that, not a ton else happening, um, although old friend Sharif Cooper did land in the league again. He actually signed a what, what Sean Serrani reported as a training camp deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Hawks' uh, budding rival in some respects. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be an Exhibit 10 contract for Sharif. I'm not 100% sure on that. It's not been reported that I've seen, but he's still only 21 years old. Obviously, has a lot of fans in the local area. Sharif is from here, and I know Hawks fans, You know, most of them, want to definitely see him do well. I include myself in that as well. I definitely will be rooting for Sharif wherever he goes. Um, plenty of time for him to get back in the league at 21 years old. He, of course, had the brutal summer league performance, which we covered ad nauseum on the podcast. But he was good in the G League last year against pro competition. He has pedigree. He has talent and a good sort of buy low there from the Cavs. So we'll see if he sticks around Cleveland. But I want to at least note that as a uh, peripheral transaction involving the Hawks. And before I bring in Zach as well, I should say that on today's show, we'll be tackling Trey Young. Aaron Holiday, Trent Forrest, and Tyson, Tyson Etienne on the podcast. And if you missed it on Monday, like a Sunday, Sunday night and Monday, we talked about John Collins and Jalen Johnson and Mo Harkless and Chris Silva on a power forward preview of sorts. I should note that these, pre- these previews are not all-encompassing for the players. For one, I did some very deep dive podcasts with Len Willis early in the summer that touched on all kinds of different things in depth for these players. But even beyond that, positionally, they're not rigid. So, for example, it is likely that players but i did not include on the power forward preview will at least appear at the four at some point that includes deandre hunter that includes frank kaminsky that might even include a kong Wu or maybe even aj griffin those guys are all at least semi-capable of playing the four and it would not stun me if any of them played the four at some point this season but i'm trying to group these guys together for pretty logical fashion to have five different episodes positionally and the hawks basically have three or four guys in every every single one of these spots and that is especially relevant for this podcast that you're about to listen to at point guard because of the logistics. So I would say this for a long time, dating back to basically when the deal happened. Uh, DeJounte Murray is the team's backup point guard. I know that sounds funny for a player that I'm not going to talk about a ton on this podcast about point guards, but we're going to group Murray with the shooting guards because he's going to start the two by all accounts uh, and play a lot of minutes there. It's not as if I don't know that he's going to be playing point guard a lot. I know he definitely will be doing that. I've been talking about that a lot and staggering Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. It's going to come up along the way, I'm sure, repeatedly. But for our purposes here on this sort of divvying up of these five episodes, he's going to go with the two guards because he can be starting up the two, obviously. And I think uh, it will definitely help the Hawks to have Murray as the backup point guard when Trey leaves the floor. No doubt about that whatsoever. But we'll talk about him, I'm sure, at some point on this episode. But for the most part, we'll talk about himself and Bogdanovich, uh, Tyrese Martin, etc. on the shooting guard preview. So keep that in mind as you're going through this. No, I'm not ignoring Murray. I promise you we'll have more on him in the near future, but that's sort of the logical way to break this up. Same thing at center, where you could see John Collins play some center in the future, maybe even Jalen Johnson. Same thing at the the two and three, especially. You have guys going back and forth. Justin Holliday, obviously going to play the two and the three. McDonough playing the two and the three. Uh, Griffin, et cetera. All those guys can kind of go back, back and forth, back and forth. Aaron Holliday can play some two, all that stuff. So, Anyway, I get all that. Positions are sort of a thing of the past in some respects, which I'm definitely a fan of more positionless discussions in some way. But that is sort of the long and short of why I'm grouping these like this. And hopefully you will stay tuned for all of these episodes as we go in here. Again, one more reminder before I get to Zach. We'll have a podcast Friday after Media Day, which I'll sort of couple together everything that transpired in that setting. I'll be there, hopefully have some video, maybe some audio for you along the way there as well. Please subscribe and uh, all that fun stuff. All right, before we get to Zach, though, a word from our sponsors on the program. When we come back from that, we have myself and Zach Hood talking about point guards. Today's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. And if you're a listener to this show for a long time, you might know this already, but I have way too many jobs. And part of keeping up with everything that I have to do for all those jobs is to actually 
track a lot of subscriptions and manage them and keep up with them and maintain them. And a lot of times it can be pretty difficult to do that. I definitely forgot to cancel some stuff on time and it cost myself some money in the process. It's happened more than a few times and more than a few occasions, honestly. But that's not a problem for me anymore because I actually love using Rocket Money. It's formerly known as Truebill and it's been saving me in a big way. The app knows all subscriptions in one place and they cancel anything that you don't want to keep up with for yourself. And Rocket Money can even find scripts that you don't even know you were paying for. You might even find out you've been double charged for a subscription, which is absolutely the worst thing that could happen in a lot of ways. To cancel subscription, all you have to do is press cancel, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. And if you want to do all of that in one place very easily, go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Seriously, it could save you up to hundreds of dollars per year. That is rocketmoney.com slash locked on. I am joined again by my friend, Zach Hood of Peace Through Hoops, who promises to have more energy this time on the podcast. Zach, hello, and welcome back to the show. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm going to uh, – I got to bring bring it tonight. Got to gotta bring the heat on this Tuesday. No, uh, I kid, but uh, yeah, our task, as I said before I brought you in, is to talk about the point guards on this episode. We're not going to do too much DeJounte Murray talk. We all know he's a backup point guard. I get it. But uh, we're talking about four guys today, and I'm going to throw a curveball after the first time we talked – we kind of led with the with the training camp invite and Chris Silva. This time, I'm going to go with the uh, the backup point guard option, and that is Aaron Holiday to start with. Holiday, of course, acquired in a, basically a one-year minimum deal, uh, to, about to be 26 years old, I think, in the next week or so. But interesting player, kind of more of a, I don't know, he's, he's point guard size, but not exactly someone's going to run your offense. What did you make of that signing, and uh, what do you make of Aaron Holiday as sort of the third point guard, I guess, on this roster? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's fine. I mean, I think it's – going to be the best non-point guard minutes we've seen or non-Trey Young minutes at point guard that we've seen since the Hawks have had Trey Young. And obviously, the better Trey has gotten over his career, the I don't know if people always think about this, but the harder it kind of gets to get like a really good backup point guard because usually in free agency or whatnot, those guys want to go somewhere where they can maybe not challenge the starter, but, you know, at least like not have a point guard who's locked in for like 34 minutes and like really high volume and stuff. And I feel like it's just hard for a lot of point guards to see how they could play with Trey as where Murray obviously could do either or. And then holiday will be that guy who can play like, you know, depending on the night, 10 to you know 17 or 18 minutes and play defense. Hopefully you know, he has a good shooting season, but really, I mean, it's just mainly that he can come in and bring the energy you know, and I don't know. I mean, some nights you might not see him, I guess. I mean, it's possible, I guess, because, you know, Murray and Trey could handle all the point guard minutes if they needed to. So all around, I think for what the job is going to be, I mean, you weren't going to get someone like way better than Aaron Holiday to play that role, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of where I land on it too. It's like if they were playing a game today uh, – and it meant the world to them. It was a one-game series. I think I would not play Aaron Holiday in that game unless you unless you had uh, injuries or something like that, foul trouble. But I think my plan, if I, and again, in a, in a one-game sample, would be to go with Trey and Murray at point guard for 48 minutes. But like you said, it, they had, basically were never going to offer anybody more than probably a minimum role to do that once they got Murray. That that was a sort of a thankless role. And I think Holiday, while he's not the biggest guy in the world, he does play defense and he can shoot. 
and that kind of allows him to maybe play with Murray. That would not be the worst pairing in the world if they had to do that. I think because of the fact that they're a little bit thin at times in the wing, if they have some injury issues there, I think that that pairing actually makes a lot of sense. I think Holiday and uh, and Trey, I don't love that. It's just really small. But if you played Holiday as sort of the off guard next to Murray, that does make sense both on both ends of the floor. And really, the thing with Mur- the thing with Holiday, I should say is that he doesn't really run your offense. For a guy who's six six feet, like 180 pounds, he's more of a maybe like a ball mover type. He's not going to run He's not gonna run pick and roll. He doesn't really finish inside the arc. He's a pretty bad two-point shooter. He can't, he can't really get to the rim very well, but he can make catch-and-shoot threes. So if you're, pay, if you're pairing him with a guy who can handle the ball, i.e. Trey, i.e. Murray, maybe even like Bogdanovich would be a, probably a better point guard option, uh, I guess a creative option than Holiday, then that, that all makes sense to me. But – yeah, like you said, to bring it full circle, like you're pretty much not going to invest a ton in that position right now when you already have Murray and, of course, Trey on your roster. And to get someone who's been – he's a proven NBA player. Like, I, again, I, I don't think that Aaron Holiday should blow you away. But as an insurance policy, like, sign me up. I guess the question, though, becomes, like, what happens if you get, let's say, a month-long injury to Trey or Murray and you have to figure out the backup point guard role? Like, yes – I think Holiday is going to obviously play then, but then your offense gets a little bit shaky if he's your primary ball handler. He also played for Nate McMillan for two years. So yeah. it's not going to be like a big, like, you know, learning curve or like something where like he can't like fit in or something like that. Whatever um, role he has to play, I think, you know, he'll be comfortable at least. Yeah, I mean, and like the metrics don't like love him overall. Like Raptor had a pretty favorable view of him last year. It's like an above average, maybe an average point, backup point guard. That's about what I think too. EPM didn't love him. He played pretty well in Phoenix last year in a small sample size, had a pretty good assist rate. And they were kind of letting him cook a little bit more as a backup um, than you might think because they had some injury stuff in the second half of the season. But that was yeah, a good team that was letting was him play. Yeah. yeah, and they were letting him play the real minutes. Like, again, I don't think he's a great facilitator in terms of like running your stuff. But playing him with Murray makes some sense. Playing him with Bogey, I think you'd be fine. I, I kind of have floated in the past. I think even with you on the last show, like if they really got down to it, you could potentially like let Jalen Johnson cook a little bit with the ball in his hands if you had to. But I think that Holiday is very useful because if nothing else, he can defend point guards. Like that's a guy who's going to be he's going to be an irritant for you. And maybe that's the argument for playing with playing him with Trey is like you know if you're playing against a team that has a great point guard. You don't want to have Trey guard that guy. Maybe you throw in Holiday out there as sort of the irritant for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, one thing I would also add is like he's kind of should be in Lou Williams territory where he probably should never play with Trey, but you know, I'm sure we'll get to see it at some point. (laughs) Bang our heads against the wall about it. I I tend to agree. I I think, and I think that pairing makes a little bit more sense than Trey and Lou did because at least Holiday can defend, but he is small. He's just 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 size wise. I mean, it kind of puts it. And uh, already you're kind of looking for okay, who's Trey going to guard? And then now you have another six one guy. Even though he can defend, it's still just like I feel like those minutes are just usually should be avoidable. Like playing those two guys together should be avoidable. Yeah, and that's you know I mean I've said it before. I'll say it again here just to be clear for anybody that's new listening. Like my stance is definitely the Hawks should be staggering Trey and Murray very openly in an effort to play those guys forty eight minutes. Um, but Nate may not do that. I mean, I think he will. I think the assumption has to be that he will. But if he doesn't, that kind of ensures that you'll see some Aaron Holiday. Like, an opening night may not, may not tell the story for the entire season. But I'll be very interested to see what happens opening night if the first time or the second time that Trey comes off the floor, 
it's the Aaron Holiday show and you don't have either one of those guys on the floor. That'd be interesting to me. I would not do that. But uh, at some point, I feel, I feel very confident in saying Aaron Holiday will play a role, whether it's because somebody got injured for two weeks or because of foul trouble or whatever. Like they're going to use Aaron Holiday, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, he'll be he'll be fine, and he'll you know, I mean, he'll he should be like basically like a better version of Brandon Goodwin. He's kind of like the same kind of player, but he's just a better shooter, but a better defender. He's probably a little bit bigger, um, but it's kind of the same kind of like just hustle, like undersized, defensive minded like third guard kind of thing. Yeah. Goodwin, maybe like a better, like nuclear athlete, like obviously yeah. on dunks and stuff, but like, yeah, I agree. I mean, Goodwin's probably better with the ball, with the ball in his hands too, like as a pick and roll operator, but not as good of a shooter as holiday. Um, not quite as experienced obviously as well. So yeah, it's not I the mean, worst that's role. probably a good thing though, because I mean, you don't really want no offense, Brandon Goodwin running pick and roll for your NBA team. So, well, and, but the thing is though, like, I, it's kind of funny, like it, it can be useful to have another guy on your roster that can do that because again, if oh, yeah. you lose, I think holiday could do that, especially if John Collins is setting the pick, it's not, you know, yeah, I was going to say like, it's not like he's incapable. League, so. I, it's good that yeah. you said that. It's like, I don't, I don't want to paint the picture that he can't run pick and roll. He can, I just don't think that's what you want to do with him as a primary look, but if he has to do it, he has to do it. And he has done it before. We'll get into like Etienne and, um, and Forrest in a second. But I do think that if you, again, if, knock you on could wood, argue the Hawks have like, Four like pretty f- good role guys. If you Jalen and Akongwu as your third and fourth role options is pretty ridiculous. Oh, they've got great role options. I mean, I was looking through my notes of what I t- what I talked about the uh, the holiday signing was before the Kevin Herter trade, and I kind of talked about how like the Hawks had some pretty decent secondary ball handling options to play with him if they needed to. Um, they have lesser of those now. I mean, I think Herter being off the roster does kind of take one of those options away because Justin Holiday while he is the brother of Aaron Holiday, those guys are not the, the best pairing together because Justin is pretty much a complete non-creator. He's more of a, just a catch-and-shoot guy. But put, putting Holiday with Bogey would work, especially when Bogey's got it going a little bit. Um, and again, I think the plan is still going to be one of Trey and Murray on the floor. So, like, it's really only a contingency plan because I, I don't want to break this to anybody, uh, I guess, in an accurate fashion, but my guess is you don't see 82 games of Trey and 82 games of Murray. <laughs> There's going to be some uh, – somebody's going to miss some time or take a night off or whatever, and that's when you need their holiday. Yeah, Justin Holiday, we'll say this for another show, but he's like a perfect guy to play with Trey. Oh, absolutely. Like he's he's the plug-and-play. Uh, he's better than this, but he's he's Tony Snell on offense. Like it's, what, it's kind of what he is. Like he's yeah. – Snell's a better shooter than Holiday is, but like he's a low-usage – he doesn't care if he if he just spaces the floor, does nothing else. He's, he'll be fine. Um, and we'll get into all that when we get to it on the wings. But there's your Aaron Holiday segment for now. Uh, we're going to come back in a second with more on Tyson Etienne and, of course, Trent Forrest and that guy named Trey Young. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. All right, Zach, let us dive in to quickly anyway, the two guys who are more off the radar, one of which is on a two-way contract, the other of which is a fan favorite already, but it's on a Exhibit 10 deal. Um, Tyson Etienne is the Exhibit 10 guy. He's on a non-guaranteed contract. No roster spot available right now other than the one full roster spot, which I don't think is going to probably go to anybody like this, but we'll see. But Etienne's popular because he had a really big summer league game. He had 21 points in that summer league game at five threes. Um, Three-year guy in college. I kind of liked him at Wichita State, but definitely an interesting kind of small combo guard guy. Uh, What did you make of him at summer league, and are you on the train like Hawks fans seem to be? Yeah, no, I mean – he definitely had like a burst and, you know, it was exciting in summer league, but I mean, I think it's going to be pretty tough for him to find minutes, especially 
at 6-2 when Trey Young is the best player on the team. And even aside from that, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, they'll probably try to keep him in College Park or something. I mean, obviously, if he gets another NBA offer, he's going to take that. But I don't know. I mean, it'll be fun to kind of see him in the preseason, especially, you know, in the second half. He'll probably get a lot of playing time in the second half of pre- some preseason games and stuff. But as far as, like, his impact on the actual – regular season with the Hawks is probably not going to be much. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he could literally be on another team like by the end of the month. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked about Silva very, very briefly on the most recent episode that we did. Etienne's in the same exact contract spot as Silva. I think that the, um, if you want to say this is a sort of a stamp of approval from the Hawks, that they gave him that exhibit 10 contract. That's usually with an, an eye towards getting that guy in college park. I think, if you're an Etienne fan, you want to see him stick in College Park and have him be around there. I'm with you. If somebody claims him off waivers, if they try to waive him, then that's what happens. Um, look, if he blew the cover off of everybody at, in training camp, maybe they keep him on the on the big league club. But I would be surprised. Um, not a huge like assist guy either at his size. He's more of a score combo guard type. Like the I think he averaged like two assists a game in college. Like I I like him, but in a like developmental place. I think Nick Van Essel, who is the summer league head coach, Hawks assistant, talks about like he, him challenging Etienne to become a high-end defender because that's the way he's going to be able to stick. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that right away. Uh, and that's not even a shot at him. I, I like Tyson Etienne, but I think um, Hawks fans got really excited about that one game. He was actually not that great at summer league other than that one game. He played the rest of the week, but he was not that great. So anyway, I think you'll see him in College Park. That's a good spot for him to be in. And I don't have much to add. I'll be surprised if he's still in the big league club in November, but we'll see. Yeah, and no, I'm good with that. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, he's he's definitely intriguing and stuff, but I mean, it's just there's a lot of guys in front of, in front of him, and it's going to be, you know, a while probably before you see him, but if ever, you know, in like the rotation or anything like that. So, yeah, one of the guys ahead of him actually is Trent Forrest. So, you know, Forrest they signed on a two way. Uh, he was with the, he was with the Jazz the previous two seasons on a two way deal. You know, a little bit bigger, six four, um, twenty four year old out of Florida State. Um, Really, really good defender. Like, really good defender. Offensively, not a ton to be excited about, but he did. He did. He actually has been pretty good inside the arc and at the line in the NBA. It's just that he can't shoot. Um, I think, yeah, he's ten of fifty-three career from three in the NBA. Um, that's also the pre-draft evaluation. I know I, I covered him a lot as a draft prospect. That is the question with Trent Forrest. But de- defensively, he's really quite good at the NBA level and also proven already to be an NBA defender. So like, that's the, that's the appeal for me anyway, but what did you make of that addition? And also like, what could his role be? Because obviously on the two way he'll he'll bounce back and forth, but um, is there a way you could see him giving them real minutes without some injuries or is he just more of like a filling guy? I mean, he could guard anybody. So, I mean, any guard at least. So I'm not going to say he would just never play because I mean, if they're getting cooked by somebody, and you know, up at a home game, or you know, he'll probably be up, you know, at least half the games or whatever. So, I don't know. I think that there could definitely be games where he comes in and does a good job, and people, you know, it's like the Trent Forrest night on Twitter or whatever. You know, he gets like a couple steals and you know starts uh, some breakaways, some transition points, and stuff like that. I mean, I definitely think he will have to. I don't think he'll have minutes just come to him easy, if that makes sense. I think he'll, it'll be kind of picking spots, especially early in the season. But, I mean, ideally you would have him bounce back and forth, work on the three-point shot, and hopefully, you know, more of those start going in. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's a reason he was available in August. Like, and I get that he saw, he saw the two way the two way deal in August, and I've always liked him. Like, he's a guy that does the stuff that I value. He's a really good defender, and I think that you know if you paired him with Trey, took some of the ball handling stuff off of him, and had him just kind of be a defensive specialist, that makes sense. And I think the Hawks, broadly speaking leaned heavily on defense with these fringe roles. I mean, even, even Jarrett Culver, who we'll get to on a later episode, like he's a defense first player at this point. Like all of these guys they plugged in around the margins are all defensive first players with the exception of AJ Griffin who they dropped in the first round, obviously. But um, yeah, it's interesting to me. They did that. I think that he'll have a role too. I mean, we see two way guys, whether it's because of injuries or obviously like last year's COVID weirdness, like these guys end up playing a role on some level, um, but it could be a small one. I mean, We've seen two ways have to play a lot. We've also seen two ways like Sharif Cooper not play at all, basically, the entire time he was around. So we'll see. But Forrest is someone who, rather than being an upside play, is like a pretty kind of a low ceiling, but also really safe in what he can do and what he will do. He's not going to kill you. Like, he won't be guarded a ton from three. But defensively, like, Nate's going to like Trent Forrest. I'm pretty sure. Like, he can guard. Yeah, I could see a situation where the Hawks – don't get whoever they want with that open roster spot um, in the buyout or whatever, like just because of whatever other teams or, you know, more teams with a higher title odds usually scoop up those guys where they kind of just give him that last spot going into the play into the playoffs or whatever, just because you never know. I mean, you run into Kyrie or somebody, I mean, somebody like that for five or six minutes on Kyrie, it might be worth, you know, sacrificing a little spacing just to make Kyrie work that much harder when somebody who's completely fresh, you know? No, it's a good point. I mean, right now they have Murray to do that more than they've had in the past. Anybody else has done that. But, and, you know, Holiday, we talked about earlier on the podcast, is a good defender, but he's, he's a smaller guy and you may not want to tax Murray all the time with that role. So, yeah, if you, if you just need someone to throw out there on, on defense in a playoff situation, or in a must-win spot, like it's not the worst thing to do. So, yeah, I do think that if you get down to the end of the season and you're still carrying 14 you have the, and you have that open spot, throwing him a, a conversion deal to have him be on the team in the playoffs would not be the worst idea. So that's a good point. Um, and we should have more to add on the uh, supporting pieces of Etienne and Ford. We, we can get to Trey Young. I guess it's kind of the main event of this podcast. What do you think? Let's go with me. Uh, all right. Well, Trey, I mean, we talked about Trey ad nauseum. I talked about Trey like in two parts with Glenn in deep dive fashion. I don't have too much more to add. Uh, I kind of joked offline with someone that we should start with uh, where, his, where his ranking was on the CBS top 100 list because the top 100 list was so valuable to all of us, Zach. Uh, by the way, Trey was 14th on that list. If you're listening to this podcast on the day that it came out on Tuesday, uh, is Trey Young a top 15 player? Zach, this is my first, this is my first take set up for you. But uh, no, I, I love Trey. Uh, he's really good. I'll, I'll give it to you first. Uh, where are you at with Trey? Like, is he you know, coming out the playoffs? You know, I know it was kind of a weird, bad series, but like, I don't really worry about Trey at all. Do you have any concerns? Is there anything that's like gnawing at you that you have to get off your chest about Trey Young other than him just being really good? No, he's ridiculous. I mean, he's one of the best offensive players in the league. He's the Hawks best player, obviously. And if anything happens to him, it'll probably be a long season. <laughs> that's true. So, you know, you you definitely need Trey Young. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, different quirks of his game he's working on, you know, defense, uh, off-ball stuff, you know, usually what people will focus on. But I think he'll actually get a chance because it's easy to say, like, oh, play off the ball, but then somebody has to be good on the ball, and the Hawks haven't really had that consistently. I mean, you have Bogey and Herter, but they both kind of, 
either – I mean, Herter didn't really battle, battle injury, but he was, you know, a little bit inconsistent on the ball. And then Bogey obviously has struggled to stay healthy. So, with Murray this season, they should have the most help he's ever had, I mean, at least in terms of ball handling. And maybe he can actually work off the ball and and play a couple more minutes because I feel like his minutes are sometimes – limited a little bit by the fact that he has the ball the entire time he plays and sometimes off the ball I guess you, you end up running a little bit more but I mean someone like Murray just carrying uses and stuff when they get into those games that they really have to win I feel like it's gonna be easier for Trey to avoid those like four for like 18 playoff games because he doesn't have to do I mean not that you know he doesn't always have to do everything but I feel like it just kind of feels that way a lot of the time. And then he gets, it's hard not to get fatigued when you're the only shot creator and, and not that Murray's like a great shot creator. I mean, in terms of efficiency or anything like that, but he gets to his spots. He can find people, you know, he's above average passer. So, I mean, it should be the best season of Trey Young's career, even if it's not volume wise, I just feel like he's going to have the best opportunity to have success in terms of like, there's other people to worry about, and if you do, you know, overcompensate for Trey, a lot of times in the past, the Hawks weren't able to make teams punish or weren't able to punish teams for going all out at Trey. And they should be able to do that. I mean, more this season, as long as, you know, Trey and Murray are both able to be healthy and, you know, um, play together as well as, you know, a lot of people think they'll be. Yeah, able to I think that it's so interesting the way he's being talked about right now, because on one hand, he had a really bad playoff series and the Hawks went out early. And usually when the, when, when the team does that, the best player gets all the blame and that's, or not maybe not all, but a lot of the blame. I think actually I was pleasantly surprised how few ridiculous takes I saw after that playoff series. Um, I think that he was quite bad, but like, I, I didn't change my, my mind about him at all. Like he was really, really, really good last year. And it, it, it might seem crazy to think that he could be better than that, but like, the bet is that he can be better on the margins. He can be better off the ball. He can be better defensively using, like you said, a little bit more energy defensively. But just as a reminder, people that might not be paying super close attention last year, I'm just going to give you some highlights of what he did a year ago. You know, he averaged 28 and almost 10 assists. He led the league in total points, total assists. He had the best marks of his career in like every category. Field goal percentage, three-point percentage, two-point percentage, free-throw percentage, EFG, true shooting. He led the league in assist rate. He had a career best turnover rate. Um, like he was absurd. And basically, outside of Jokic, the advanced metrics treated him as, yeah, so basically the second best player in the league on offense. Again, that's only offense. We all know about his defense. He's, he's bad. We, we get it. But like he was viewed by EPM and Raptor and some of those other metrics as like as only behind the MVP and Jokic. And like you can't fake that. And also he drives offensive success. You know, cleaning the glass had the Hawks being almost six points better with him on the floor last year than off. Offensively, they had a 117 offensive rating with him on the floor last year. Like these numbers become like secondhand because we cover Trey every day, but it really is like he's so good on offense. And I think the sort of the conversation has been dominated by how he fits with Murray. And I totally get that. That's obviously the number one topic coming out of the offseason. But it really needs to be like how do the Hawks magnify Trey more than like Trey changing his game to fit everybody else. Like I think it mostly is that conversation, but you know, Murray's not as good as Trey. Like it is what it is. Like 
Murray's really good, but Trey needs to still be Trey because that's the best player on the Hawks roster, like you said before. And like that's how their offense has been as good as it's been. It's been it's been Trey Young doing not everything, but darn near everything. Yeah, I mean, it's just exciting, I guess, when only to bring Murray up because I mean the Hawks haven't had a ball handler. Oh yeah. Where like they could run like a pick and roll set and then have Trey like working hard off the ball on the other side because Trey it's, a, is, it's like, a whole new world of that that's for sure. Trey Trey is the best catch and shoot shooter on the team by this percentage. He just doesn't get to shoot them. So yeah, I mean, I mean what? And then from the corner, he's like ridiculous. I mean, from, I mean, the, that... corner, from the corner, he's like ninety eight percentile or something, isn't he? Well, you know, you know, like I do, but like it really is. Trey is an elite shooter, and I think people don't. It's like almost gotten not not forgotten, but it's kind of like the point that I used to make about his passing. Like I always thought, and I still think his passing is underrated, which is crazy because he leads the league in assists and stuff like that. But like I think it's still underrated. I think his shooting is underrated now. Because he's underrated. Of, I mean, overall he is underrated. Not like to the point where it's like dramatic, but I mean, he is better than the average. I mean, just from what I see, he's better than people give him credit for. Just because people think that he's like a stat chaser. And that he has stats because he shoots a lot and stuff. But, I mean, he's efficient and he shoots 36, 35% on, like, I mean, I'm not saying they're as difficult as Steph Curry shots, but, I mean, it's up there with Lillard probably. It's, I mean, it's one oh. of the most difficult shot diets as far as from three. Definitely. I mean, and he had, just to back you up, he had 60.3% true shooting last year while having, like, a 35% usage. Like, you cannot be that efficient on that kind of usage without being an elite player and for all the talk, like we've kind of almost forgot about it now, but there was the free throw narrative before last season about how he's, it was going to kill him, the, the rule changes. And like he took a few less free throws, but he was fourth in the NBA in total free throw attempts last year and shot 90% of the line. Like that's yeah. a wrinkle I mean, too. Like he's so smart and crafty and all I that. I mean, stuff. Almost, almost everybody shot less free throw than other. I mean, like I'm beat, right. I'm beat obviously. Like he still got fouled a lot because like he wasn't using any kind of, I mean, he's just in the, in the paint, but all the guards, a lot of those guys went down. So I mean, it's not like he got worse at drawing fouls. They just he was they, fourth in the league. That's like that's absurd. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Like every offensively, every concern people have had, myself included, from the beginning of his career, it's all been proven to be silly. Like we'll see how he adjusts. Now this is this is another new thing for him playing with a guy like Murray, who's going to command some usage. But I, I mean, I hope for the Hawks' sake that he is still they're still building around him and not asking him to mold to other people because yeah, he should have a little bit, a little bit less usage this year because Murray's on the team. That's definitely true, but you don't want to have Trey like suddenly be this off ball primary player. Like that's not what you want to have him do. He's so good with the ball in his hands. Like who's better than him with, with, with the ball in his hands. The list is not very long. <laughs> it's like, he's, no, he's, yeah. he's it's not. Yeah. Obviously you know this, but the, it's not like, Oh, we need to take the ball out of Trey's hands. But right. I mean, it's just, Let's like, I mean, instead of playing 32 minutes with the ball in your hands, play like 36 minutes and have the ball. So you still have the ball for 30 minutes or 28 minutes. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I actually, actually, this is going to sound crazy. I wonder, somebody asked, somebody asked me in the fantasy community actually the other day, first of background on the Hawks, and they were like, you know, do you think Trey's going to play less this year? And I, I was mean, like, I get why people might think that because of Murray, but you know, last year he played 34.9 minutes a game. The year before was 33.7, and his second year was 35.3. Like, I'm not sure he's going to play more, but I don't think he's going to play less. Like, I don't think that's going to happen no. because his role, like, part of the reason why he might not have played more than that 
in the past is because he had to use so much energy, like which is what you said earlier. Yeah, he needs a break at some point, but now he might not. I mean, he might ever not ever call for himself now. I mean, well, yeah, and they, I mean, you know, guys are gonna sit like he, and that's something that I love about Trey is that he never wants to come out. Like he's a competitive dude and wants to play, but like, no, I mean, so the short version of my answer to that person was like, no, nah, I think that it'll be comparable. Like he may, he may not play more. But he's going to still be up there in the top, you know, twenty of, of the league in minutes per in minutes per game, playing thirty five a night, and that's what it should be. Like I think he's got he's in great shape too. That's an underrated thing about Trey is like he can go all day. He doesn't really get worn out. Like I, in the playoffs, maybe he got worn down, but like that was probably more frustration than anything else. If I had to guess, I think he's going to play a lot of minutes, and he should. Uh, not to like rehash the the Heat series, but that wasn't exactly basketball. It was all bad. Everything was bad about that series. Like, that was like <laughs> the my the current Miami Heat. Like it's disgusting the way they try to play. I'll just say that. Wow, a, a disgusting reference. That was I, I was on. They literally time. don't follow the rules. They hand check. They grab people, and then all of a sudden the playoffs start and nobody calls. I mean, they don't even get called the whole season. But then <laughs> they they go like ten like Kyle Lowry's like karate chopping people. I mean. Uh, look, it's gonna be Philly now because PJ Tucker's up there, so it's gonna be Philly and Miami. If Philly and Miami play in the playoffs, it's just basically gonna be football or hockey. Yeah. Well. Oh, by the way, I just saw this when I was looking. Uh, I, I was re- remembering this from yesterday. I had I will cop to this. This is not my area of expertise. I had no idea that Trey and Ajante had the same birthday until yesterday, which was which was their birthday, September nineteenth. Apparently, is Trey and Ajante's birthday. I, I didn't know that, and I'm supposed to be a Hawks expert. I had no clue. So, happy birthday, Trey. Vibes, all vibes for the uh, new backcourt of the Hawks. I don't know, man. I think that his defense will be better this year. Is that a low bar? Yes, but I think it will be better. We'll see how much better it is. I think that they will take some time to put together their best game plan moving forward with Trey and Dejounte playing together on offense. But I do hope, like I said before, that it's more Dejounte getting back to his off-ball role than Trey doing that. But uh, you know, it might take a while, and that's not necessarily. I said, you know, I kind of make the joke that Nate's not the most innovative offensive coach in the world, and it might be easier if it was, if it was not Nate doing this. But even with anybody coaching these guys, I think it would take a little bit of time to figure out like the best way to approach it. I just hope they stagger. Please stagger. <laughs> I mean, I think you already hit on it. The best way to approach it is just to just okay. So what worked last year? Uh, Trey had the ball, so give Trey the ball, and then let Murray figure out where he fits in. Because I mean. It's, it's still Trey's team, and I, and I totally agree. I, I mean, I feel like that's the safest thing to do. Is just like you said, just I mean, just give Trey the ball, and then when he goes out of the game, give Murray the ball, and they both know what to do with it. So, well, and but, also, I've said it before too, but you know, <coughs> Murray has played. Trey's never played a different way in the NBA. Like I know he his he did a little bit in AAU and stuff like that, but he's in the NBA. He has basically played the same style. And every season it was different coaching staffs, but he's been the guy on the ball. Murray yeah. early in his career was not in a huge usage role. Like he's he played a, NBA yeah. minutes in smaller he's, roles. He's been a role player on a good team before. Correct. And yeah. you know, last year uh, his usage rate skyrocketed to 27%. But before that, the four, the first four years of Murray's career, his usage rate combined was 21.9%. That's like probably below average for a guard, like something like it's probably right in the, uh, right in the average range. And last year was 27 plus. Trey's usage rate has been in the mid 30s every year of his career. So, like, I don't know. I, I think that we've said it a number of times, but I just I think that it's going to be a lot easier, especially early on in the season, 
to kind of have DeJounte take a little bit more of a backseat and Trey get more comfortable with it all. And then, look, we said it before, but they get 15 minutes a game, 13 minutes a game, however many minutes a game where Murray can cook, not by himself, but be the guy on the floor without Trey. And that should let him kind of get back into that groove. I'm sure he wants to have that, get his numbers, you know, run the offense in, in, a, in the best way possible. And you mentioned it earlier in this podcast, but it's a good, it's a really good point. The Hawks don't have to now run a totally different system when Trey leaves the floor. That's huge. Like Murray can do a lot of the same stuff that Trey has done. Not, not quite as good, but like he's a legitimate number one guy who can do that, which is nice. Yeah. And not, I know there's going to be another podcast for Murray, but I mean, it's worth pointing out that Trey will be the best passer Murray's ever played with. And Murray's, you know, a pretty good slasher. So, I mean, it's not yeah. like Murray can't score while Trey's on the court. I mean, he totally can score while Trey's on the Definitely. court. I mean, Trey, Trey can find him all over the place. So, Oh, definitely. I, I, I hope that the number one way for me that they get Murray involved is to have him be a, be a cutter and like find space. What you don't want to have Murray do is just space to the corner and stand there in the way that Justin Holiday will or that uh, one of those guys, you know, some of those wings will do. You don't want Murray to do that. You want him to be a more active, well, I mean, you know, second side creator. And I haven't looked. I don't know what the numbers look like last year. I imagine it's probably not anything great or anything because he was – on the ball so much, but I mean, Murray has the frame and athletic ability to be like, a, I mean, obviously he's a great defensive rebounder. So, I mean, he could probably offensive rebound as well when Trey's in the game. And I mean, I feel like there's a lot of ways those two can impact the game uh, together. So, I mean, I'm not, I almost feel like it's one of those things that's going to be talked about too much the way Capella and Collins. <laughs> it, are, it already is. It already has been. And that's, that's part of the off season. And then, yeah, that was the, uh, the, all-time perfect storm was the Capella Collins thing because Capella hadn't played and that was the long off season. And it was just like, you know, nothing else to talk about. Um, yeah. Now it's, now it's, it's a good problem because the Hawks traded for a guy who just made the all-star team. And it's like, obviously that's the number one topic of conversation. Um, in Abu Dhabi, the first time they play together, it's going to be all eyes on that. It's a noon game. It's a weird, uh, weird uh, spot for the nation to see those guys play. And we'll talk about all of it, but yeah, I think that, you know, taking it back to Trey for the purposes of this podcast, you know, Trey making a return trip to all NBA is kind of what I expect to happen. Like, I don't know if it's like a lock to happen because he wasn't like a lock last year till the, till the very end to make all NBA. But I was shouting it from like January on, like this is an all NBA player, like put him on there. I think he's still the, that guy. I think and his numbers may not be quite as much, but would it stun you if he averaged 29 in game again, even with Murray on the roster? It wouldn't stun me. I think he's going to have big numbers again. The Hawks are going to be good. So that usually helps. No, I mean, even like 30 and 10 wouldn't really surprise I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he just ramped everything up a little bit. And I mean, I know like he's a really hard worker. And if he just went out there and improved on everything, I, I mean, he's still young. And I mean, the team should be better, obviously, as far as like, especially the, the beginning of the season. I, hopefully they won't have another slow start. So, I mean, if he gets off to a hot start and – you know, I mean, he could have – I mean, I'm expecting him to have the most overall success in terms of, like, the team combined with just having a really good individual season because, I don't know, I just – he was so good last season, especially once – like, I don't want to say, like, the last – I mean, he was good the whole season, but, like, the last 50 or 60 games because I feel like he had that stretch between, like, game, like, 5 and 20 where I don't know, I might be wrong, but I just feel like he was, like, his percentage, he was shooting like 31% at one point at a decent chunk into the season from three. And then he got like where he he made everything for a minute. And pretty much from that point, he was arguably like a, a first team 
all NBA player. You know, I mean, if you took away the slow start, I mean, Steph Curry's probably the only guard that was better than him, like actual guard, like not putting LeBron or somebody at guard. So, I yeah, mean, no, he he had a really really slow start. I'm, I'm pulling him now while you talk. Uh, the last, if you just took his last 67 games, he shot almost 40 percent from three. It was 39 yeah. and a half percent. Okay, so yeah, literally, I mean, of course, I mean Curry was probably the best player in the league last season for the majority of the season. But after that, you could argue Trey was, you know, at least on offense, the second best guard in the league. I mean, no, he was incredible. I mean, and uh, I was going to ask you this and I'm, I'm actually sad. Our friends have been online. The number has moved, but I've kind of whispered about Trey being a fringe, like pretty interesting future MVP pick on the numbers that he's had. Um, basically the theory being that if the Hawks were to go out and win 55 games, He's going to have the numbers and the narrative and all that stuff. He's actually up to thirty-three to one now, which is uh, not you know that's still I would say that's not that's not bad value. I was hoping to be higher than that because um, last year I was like kind of saying the same thing. I think it does require the Hawks to win a lot of games, but listen, you can make worse bets for MVP. In fact, let's just say this: Trey Young and Dame Lillard have the same MVP odds. Uh, Trey Young has is a lot more likely to win MVP than, than Dame Lillard is. I'll just say that right now. It may not be yeah. like. 10%, but it, it's, it's higher than Dan Lillard's odds. Yeah, Lillard, <laughs> Lillard has no chance. I mean, it's not his fault, but they're, they're going to probably be bad. So. Well, but yeah, the thing is, it's mostly, it's mostly that's just me saying it's a lot easier to, for me to see the Hawks winning 50 games than it is the Blazers. And for a, for a player that's not I will uh, say this. one of the – go ahead. I think the Hawks have to win like 60 for trade winning. Well, and I, I, I think realistically with all the, the factors in play – If the Hawks win 50 games, I mean – the Sixers or the Bucks are going to win like 57. Well, I was going to say, like, realistically, that would be the number one seed, I would guess, for Trey to actually win it. Yeah. Um, and maybe get some luck along the way. But listen, like, I think that's not likely, but it's plausible to me. Like, I think it, we've seen teams that were not expected to go out and just like fight the world on fire do that in recent years. Like, that kind of happens every once. Like, obviously, the Suns are really good going into last year, but nobody had Phoenix winning in the mid 60s last year. No. There was there, there was a Utah year where they like before they actually like arrived where they won like in the mid fifties it was like whoa they won fifty five games whatever it was so I'm not saying put your mortgage on that but I do think that's a, a decent value like, I think he has a better chance of winning MVP than like how about Zion twenty two to one uh, Devin Booker twenty eight to one like, I think I I'd, I'd, I'd rather have Trey than those guys for MVP discussions so, yeah I would agree with that on both of those I mean the only thing is though like. After two weeks of the season, you could be like, oh, Zion at 22 to 1 look pretty good. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he stays healthy and all that stuff. But uh, yeah. also, just for the record, uh, DeJounte Murray, 100 to 1 on Bell Line. So I, I think he has no chance to win MVP. Yeah, <laughs> just want to say yeah. that out I love you, DeJounte. I don't think you have a chance to win MVP this no. year. Maybe if uh, maybe if Trey, for some reason, again, knock on wood, uh, got went down and the Hawks still won 55 games with Murray just averaging like 20, like 25, 8 and 8, maybe he'd have a chance to get like fourth place votes. But um, anyway. All right, Zach. I just, I just, I thought, I thought you'd appreciate knowing you a little MVP odds talk at the end of the podcast. So I saved that for the end. Um, we can wrap it up there. I wish you had final thoughts on trail. I'll let you uh, fire them off, but also uh, please plug everything you got going on for the folks. I know Peace Groups will be ramping up as we all are. Uh, media Day is this week, so we're getting close. Yeah, Media Day. We got um, like our season preview series coming up. You know, we're going to preview articles on all the regular roster players and then you know if um etienne 
or Silva or someone like that ends up getting converted, you know, you'll probably get one on them too. But <laughs> um, yeah, of course, that'll all be on Peace Street Hoops. And final thoughts on Trey. I really just expect, like I said, you know, I mean, assuming health, um, I mean, I, I expect him to again be like one of the best two or three point guards in the league. And, you know, if he if he's able to fit with Murray the way, you know, great players usually figure it out, then it should be like a really fun year for Trey. And I appreciate you having me on again. So my pleasure, sir. It should be fun. Uh, we'll talk about other positions later on. The wings are still out there. The centers are still out there. And uh, all that will be coming on the podcast. But uh, check out Zach's work and the folks at Peachtree Hoops. Uh, check out Zach and see on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. But if not, at ZHood underscore and at Peachtree Hoops uh, for Peachtree Hoops. Please subscribe to this podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. I am at BT Roland. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, free Peachtree Hoops. And we'll see you next time.